You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, this is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Patricia Dacre on with us from Better Diabetes Life. Uh, Patricia, thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, uh, you are so welcome, and thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So why don't you start out a little, uh, telling us a little bit about yourself as a nurse um, before we get into your business. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, I graduated from nursing school in 1985. So I tell people I was four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually went to um, associate's degree program. So I, in high school, started taking college courses and zipped through. And I love this story. I was, I had finished my program and taken my boards and was a registered nurse at age 20. So legally I could give IV morphine, but I couldn't buy a beer. (laughs) (laughs) The irony. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that was back, I grew up in Illinois. So I worked for about nine months at a hospital back home. And believe it or not, at that time, there was a nursing overage. So it was I remember, you know, I'm not that yeah. far off from you, but I was uh, 96 and I had the same exact problem. As soon as I graduated, I couldn't get a job in a nursing home. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I was very fortunate. My godmother was a nurse, a Methodist, and we, we had some contacts with some of the local, local hospitals. So I got a job working um, nights, but wasn't even full time. And uh, I did that for about nine months. And so many of my friends had moved on to other places. So a really good friend had moved to Texas and I had always thought, Oh, I'm going to go adventure out a little bit. Right. So after nine months at the bedside back home, I'm like, I'm going to go check things out. And again, back in the day, I, I call, I had to call directory assistants to get the chamber of commerce in Dallas and Hey, what hospitals are there? Um, anyway, I ended up, you know, paper mailing snail mail, setting up um, appointments. And I ended up coming down to Dallas, put all my belongings in a cattle trailer that was moving some stuff down here, not cattle, but yeah. So at 21, I landed in Dallas. I took a job at Baylor University Medical Center. Um, When I showed up, they had changed managers and the new manager didn't know I was hired. (laughs) So I moved all this way and I'm like, what? Um, I also back home, I had worked in a neuro unit and I'm like, oh, I'll stay with what I know because I'd at least have some skills. Well, in the few weeks or the month between me interviewing and moving, the neuro unit had transitioned into digestive diseases. I was like, not prepared for that, but, um, it it worked out. Okay. Um, actually Dr. Fortran, who's like, apparently wrote a textbook on chronic diarrhea. And if you go to med school, he's one of the guys. He, a lot of patients would come from other uh, states and even countries to see him. So a unique specialty. I was on the floor for maybe a year and a half. And within a short time, I was in charge. I tend to somehow get put in charge all the time. I'm one of those. And uh, my boss, believe it or not, was like, you know, you got bigger things than you. You should try ICU. And I'm like, oh, there's a wait to get in. There's all these classes, a long time. He's like, well, let let me talk to somebody. So my boss talked to the manager of the ICU, the medical ICU. 
and I got, I got transferred like without a wait and all the things it was, I was absolutely amazed. It was wonderful. So I spent three and a half years in medical ICU. Um, and again, this was a academic medical teaching center. So just learned so much. Um, and then after about three and a half years, I was itching again. And one of the night supervisors was like, you kind of have, cause I was like, I want to do something different. You know, I've been here for three and a half years. I'm charge nurse. I was a preceptor. I had done a lot of the things in clinical ladder and all this stuff. And, um, anyway, she's like, you kind of remind me of an ER nurse. I'm like, no way. I'm like, oh, ah, I don't know if I could do that. Anyway, that's, that planted a seed and that's where I ended up. And I spent the rest of my bedside career in the emergency department. And, um, I loved it. I loved it. I, my favorite patient was uh, the one who came in unresponsive and we didn't know why or what. So the mystery to unsolve. Uh, I really liked that. It was fun. And just uh, lifelong friends. And I learned so much. We were really busy. We were very understaffed for what people do now. I mean, it, I, I think it's always busy, but yeah. So I did um, bedside up until 2000. 2000 I went to work I could pause there that's my clinical well, yeah, yeah yeah let me let me let me say because we have a lot of parallels um which is really kind of funny because uh you know I was 10 years later in 1996 and of course there was a, another surplus and we've never seen this ever again right it was those right. two years <laughs> you know when you graduated right. when I graduated there was a surplus now there's like this massive deficit and uh, I did the same thing I mail I went into I used to oh my god it's such a job junkie but I would get the nursing spectrum and, and, you know, look through the classifieds and I started applying all over the country. I ended up in Texas as well. Oh. And, it, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. I actually had only Canadian friends because I recruited a ton of Canadians down yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. And I also, after like five months of working on the unit as a new grad, they made me charge nurse on, on yeah. nights, which is scary. But um, I mean, I transferred to the, the neuro ICU and they did not they did not switch it into a digestive disease. <laughs> so that's where our similarities end. But um, I love this. Um, and also ED. I'm like a, not a good ED nurse because uh, I'm petrified of what's going to come in the door. <laughs> oh. So I love I love this. But uh, so, all right, pick us up from the ED. So you, what happened in 2000? Well, let me, let me backtrack and I'll add there's one other little part that is a preface to my current business. So while I was working in the ED, um, I got type one diabetes. So we think I got a virus from a patient. Um, really? I, yeah. So I, we don't know, you know, I was going to say, is that how it happened? Like, I feel yeah, it's really auto, dumb. <laughs> yeah. it's, so it's autoimmune. Mostly there is a little bit of genetic tendency, although I, I'm one of seven kids. My mom's one of seven kids. My daughter's the 19th grandchild. We have 27 great grands at this point, and there's no diabetes in the bunch. You're the only one. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It was a really busy time. I was working really hard. I worked nights, um, but I came to work one day and I was showing one of the docs. I'm like, man, I got something. I have this like vesicular rash on my torso and I kind of didn't feel great, but I didn't have enough fever to call in, you know, go to work no matter what. And so so anyway, he's like, I don't know what you have. You probably have chicken pox. You need to go home. And I'm like, well, I've had chicken pox. I've been around with tons of patients. I don't think that's it, but okay, I'll go home. And so I went home and I slept for a day or two and it never really crusted and erupted over. It just kind of resolved and went away. And it was just weird. 
And then several months later, I started losing weight and I was not opposed to that, right? And you're in your twenties and you drop pounds and you look good, better in a swimsuit. Um, and I didn't notice any of the signs. So I worked nights, it was a level one trauma center. It was crazy busy. So you were always thirsty when it was time to take a break. You always had to pee because you never did. Um, I was super hungry, but it was nights, you know, and you ate random weird stuff and slept. Right. So all the signs just got masked. Plus it was nothing I even thought of, but, um, it was, it was the fatigue that finally got to me and I'll share a story and I think nurses will get this, but I'm going to say this and I'm not proud of this moment, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, it was about three o'clock in the morning and we had this red phone. We called it the bat phone and it was, um, the EMS service calling us with an inbound ambulance. And the thought happened in my mind before I really wanted it to happen, but that phone rang and I thought, I hope it's a GSW to the head. So gunshot wound to the head. And I said that, and my thinking was, it'll be over really fast. Mm -hmm. I was so tired. I'm like, I don't think I can do a two and a half, three hour MI or somebody that's going to require my attention and my full um, mind and, and awareness for a long, I'm just so tired. And I, it, it shattered me and it scared me that I thought that, right. That I'm like, Oh my God, like what's wrong with me. Right. That was kind of a pivotal moment. I saw my, um, PCP later and I'm like, Hey, I think I have chronic fatigue. I'm so tired. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like working overtime. I just bought a house. I have a new boyfriend, la la la, you know, all of them. I'm going to stop talking because my dog's barking. Hang on. Hope we can edit that out. Yeah, I don't really hear anything. I wouldn't worry about okay. the dog. Okay. Um, but anyway, I saw my PCP and he again is asking what's going on. And, you know, I haven't not sleeping, working overtime, new boyfriend, bought a house, burning the candle at both ends, having fun on the, you know, when my day's off, all the things. And he's like, well, eat a square meal, sleep, you know, and come see me. So I did, and we did fasting lab work and my fasting blood sugar was 140. He's like, you didn't just have a candy bar on the way over here. And I'm like, no, nope, did not. And he's like, eh, you're stressed. And that, that was the beginning of the diagnosis. Um, started with some oral stuff. They thought maybe type two, but I was skinny as a rail at that point. I had really lost a lot of weight. Um, well, they should have picked up on that. You know what, but if you're an adult and still today, I find so many people who are misdiagnosed because of their age and mm. it's more prevalent than ever than even post COVID. Um, I belong to a group of, uh, people in Dallas who live with type one and, um, a lot of new people that are adults, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. It's weird because like in nursing school, I learned it was like, that's a pediatric disease. Right. It used to be called juvenile diabetes and right. so now it is type one or type two. And there's actually other variations. Um, it really is an autoimmune. And if you think about it, kids get a lot of viruses and triggers. And so it's very complex and there's not really one exact path. Right. But at some point your beta cells get wiped out. And so I had the, um, good fortune that I had an endocrinologist who did, um, he did some tests on me, including antibodies. And he said, you're not insulin dependent now, but you will be. And so that kind of led to everything. Um, it was a great turning moment in my life. So I'm like, what do I really want to do? Do I really want to, you know, I was like trying to figure out. So 
I stayed in the ER for a little while longer, but I started doing some healthcare IT stuff, started working on some informatics because secretly that's what I wanted to do in high school, but Midwest Farmers Daughters did not do <laughs> computers. We did teaching or nursing, right? Um, so in 2000, I left Baylor and I went to work for a startup company kind of at the end of the dot-com era and everybody thought I was crazy, but um we, we actually became a company and survived. It was called Medhost. They did um, emergency department software. And so I transitioned from bedside to nursing informatics, started as a subject matter expert, and I loved, loved, loved it. It was so fun. Um, and it was before I'd ever used an EMR, so I really didn't know what the epics and cerners of the world look like. So we really designed it based on how nurses worked. But That's touch, original. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was it's interesting, it's a little side story, but it was based on restaurant software that does um, table and diner management. And it's the touchscreen stuff we know today. And so it was a restaurant hospitality product that spun off into the emergency department, but it was a great um, way to see a snapshot of what's going on in the ER, who's where, who's in what bed, what tests are done, labs are back, who needs a med, all the stuff. So um, I just kept taking on additional roles there. I had a really great CEO who um, I think he had a, he had a ragtag team of a bunch of people and he really liked ER nurses. He hired nurses in all the departments. So whether we were doing testing software, sales, training, all, you know, customer support, there were ER nurses in every role. And so we really did it. It was really fun. It was a really, really good time. I was there for almost 15 years. When I left, I was um, the vice president of product strategy. So I was heading up what we were doing, why we were doing it. And during that time, meaningful use came upon us, right? So meaningful users of software. And I got to read the federal register and figure out what we had to do as a software vendor to be compliant and turn that into features. So yeah, it's a, it's a eye roll, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, my joy with that was how do I, how do I get the computer to do the hard work so the nurses don't have to, and we did some really cool things to try to um, facilitate ease of use. And um, again, our design was you're on your feet, it's episodic, you're in and out, you're not really sitting at a chair. How do I gather a lot of little data along the way? So I'm not at the end of my shift writing a novel. Um, so different, different design. And uh, anyway, but it was so fun. And I actually got to testify uh, to the ONC that they had some of the early adopters who got certification come talk about it. So that was kind of cool to go to DC and talk about that. So that's kind of my second hop of my career. I stayed there. We went through merger and acquisition. We got acquired by another company. I stayed on as an executive for a while, but it just wasn't the same, you know, when somebody that happens frequently. Yeah. So that was kind of the second jump and I will pause there. If you want to ask any questions. No, I, I mean, that sounds fascinating. Um, <laughs> it's quite a, a different turn, you know, you, you know, from bedside to, uh, you know, the corporate structure. Um, so how did that, how did that lead into it? Or is the third step the business or is there another step? No, the third step okay. is my business. Yeah, okay. that's the business. But, <laughs> but the, it was very funny because software engineers by nature are mostly introverts, kind of. They're people that like computers and and ER nurses are kind of out there and, right? <laughs> what was the clash of two cultures? But a lot of red faces sometimes when when we were having to explain like document something about 
certain pathophysiology or, you know, a clinical presentation and these guys, their faces would just turn beet red because they're like, oh my God, I, will, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> they're like, you nurses are just so, so crazy. Yeah, so it was fun. It was, it was a good um, marriage, but it was really fun. And I learned a lot from them, right? how they work, how they think. And I really, really like the data and informatics side of things. But we actually brought them to the ER so they got to see the product they were building in, in, in real world. And it just, it was fun because they actually thought up new ideas and it was just a really great collaboration. So it was fun. It was a really, really fun job. That's awesome. Um, all right. So where did the idea for the business come from? Or tell us what the business is and then let's talk about where the idea came from. So um, the business is, I am a board certified nurse coach, which I'll talk about that in a minute, but I, let me back up and say, as I went through corporate America, I'll back up even further. Living with type one diabetes, I thought I was a nurse and I should just take insulin and eat right and do the things and the numbers would be perfect. I really thought that I really believed it. And I really believe that people who showed up out of control or in trouble must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I, I can say I was kind of one of those bitchy ER nurses. It's like, why are you people not? If you just take care of yourself, you wouldn't be here. Right. And so God gave me a lovely gift of knowing what it's like to be on the other empathy. side. <laughs> the gift of empathy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just of understanding because now I knew it wasn't so easy and I'm a recovering type A and I wanted my numbers always to be perfect. And I'm the nurse. I should know I should do this. And it wasn't, it was so hard and I struggled. Um, I didn't want it. Like I didn't want it. I didn't want to do this. It, it, yuck. It was horrible. Um, I'll kind of bounce forward. It was interesting. Some of the things I learned in corporate America that made diabetes easier and made me start having ideas about what's missing. So we talk about like sales strategies. Why do people choose what they do? Right. Well, why do, why does a person with diabetes not always choose the best thing, right? Whatever the best thing is. Well, there's a lot of competing priorities, right? So sales strategies really taught me a lot about human behavior. We had interpersonal relationships with team building and how to work with teams and how to communicate and all these life skills, if you will, that were glaringly absent in healthcare. Healthcare, you got a prescription and a care plan and you were expected to go out and execute. And when you didn't execute, you were called non-compliant, which makes you feel horrible like a loser, right? So there's this whole psychological aspect. So when I left MedHost, um, I did some consulting for a couple of years, but I really started giving back to the diabetes community. And my personal philosophy is of helping people, not with carb counting, but with, you actually have grief emotions. You've lost this life you are gonna have. And so there's anger, denial, depression. We talk about diabetes and depression. Um, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage that comes with it. And so I really was sharing those stories anecdotally with diabetes groups and trying to help where I could started blogging a little bit, but when I finally walked away from all of my, my last consulting gig, um, I was like, I'm going to go figure out how to do this. And so I did, and I started my company I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I just knew that I've been a nurse for a long time. I have executive corporate skills. I understand a lot. And I know this, there's a gap in diabetes care. There's something missing that would help people. 
And so I said, I'm just going to go help people. Right. And so that was kind of where my coaching started. And in that process, I was doing some networking, right? You do the networking meetings to tell people about your business and expand your circle. And everybody kept saying, you need to meet Eileen. Like, what? They're like, yeah, you need to meet Eileen. She's a nurse like you, but she kind of does what you do. So I did meet Eileen. And again, ironically enough, she lives like three blocks from me. (laughs) So close. Um, about my age, but she was a board certified nurse coach. And I'm like, what is that? Right. So it is a subspecialty of the AHNA American Holistic Nurse Association. It is a um, set of, I guess it's an academy you go to, you do additional training to become certified. So I think it's, you have to be a bachelor's prepared nurse. You have to have three or five years of clinical practice you do this additional education and then you do 60 something hours of coaching certification, but it's holistic. So it's body, mind, spirit. It sees you more than just an A1C and a diet plan, right? And you can, it's absolutely amazing. And so as I started learning about it and doing research, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been trying to tell people. And lo and behold, somebody's already gone and made a whole nursing subspecialty. Out of it. <laughs> it's amazing what you find when you start looking for it. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I signed up and I went through the coaching and I was just like, I learned so much more. So it was like, I took what I knew about diabetes in my life and how it was more than just care of my body. I needed care of my emotions, care of my physical self, care of relationships, um, ownership, Stepping into your own authentic, authentic self, um, the medical system, even the word patient can be very, um, there's a hierarchy. The doctor's higher than you. The patient is lower than you. The doctor gives orders and tells you what to do. The patient receives care, which is passive. So I'll accept that definition if I'm inpatient in a bed, but when I live my daily life, I don't, I don't want that. I want to I don't want to abdicate my authority to some person who sees me four times a year for 15 minutes. Right. Right. And so there's something very whole about feeling able and capable and realizing that there's much more going on than just care of a disease process. And there's so many ways to support people in that. And so um, after I got my certification or in there somewhere, Someone took a a business card of mine and gave it to their on-site Blue Cross Blue Shield rep and ended up connecting. It was a company that had 25 factories across the U.S. I didn't know who they were, but um, she was like, you know, I love what you do. This is new. You know, it's not classic diabetes education, but I I need you on, on the phone. I need you on an app. You can't be, you can't go to all my facilities and take care of all my people. So um, it sparked an idea and it's like, oh, what if I created something to provide this content and learning and exploration online? And so um, I went and took an acting lesson and I hired a studio and wrote a book and went and recorded all my stuff. So it's called the Better Diabetes Life Five-Step Program. I really focus on diabetes burnout because I feel like that's where you get to the end when the effort just doesn't feel like it's worth it anymore. And we all get there. Um, I think the best analogy I can give with burnout. So burnout, we all went through burnout with COVID. We got put in a place we didn't want to be with no end in sight, very little control. Um, and, and you kind of didn't know when you were going to get out and we're stuck at home. You're stuck in this box. And so 
if you look at what the world did, we watched Netflix and stayed in our PJs and drank too much and ate crappy food, which is kind of how you feel when you get this diagnosis. You're like, I don't want to do this. I don't have the energy and your blood sugars are whacked out. So you doubly don't have the energy. So you have to find this um, motivation elsewhere. And it's not in guilt and shame and labeling and telling you all the things you should do. We all know we should eat better exercise, drink more high. I mean, you don't need to have diabetes to know that, right? <laughs> right. And so anyway, so I, I created this program and um, I guess that some of the other facts that I've learned is uh, people can't afford it. They, we already have enough healthcare costs. So I actually sat on a meeting last two Saturdays ago the American Medical Association CPT Review Board meeting, which was a ton of fun. Uh, I was going to say, that sounds like a yawn too. <laughs> oh my God. Well, and so they are, uh, they were reviewing nurse code or coaching CPT codes because right now they're a level three. So they're not generally reimbursable. They're more of a study category. But because healthcare doesn't, or health plans don't reimburse, it's a, it's a cash pay, right? Which is a hard part, but the value is really there. So my next sort of step um, and desire, and especially when I, when, a long ago, when I talked to the woman from the, the big company, I guess COVID happened in the middle of that too. So everything stalled for two years, nothing happened. Right. Um, but my goal now is really corporate wellness. So if you think about where you live your life, I don't live my life in a doctor's office. When I get my prescription, I live my life with people where I work and you know, do all the things. And so who benefits from healthy and well people, not doctors and hospitals, we have to have enough, you know, patients in beds to generate revenue. So, you know, who really benefits? And so that's my next kind of step of things is exploring the corporate side of things, because I think diabetes is so prevalent. Type one, type two, pick them pre-diabetes. It's out there everywhere. I think our environment, our lifestyle, our culture lends itself to some of these diseases popping up and it, it needs more attention and care and support than only in the healthcare system. And, you know, if I, I try to explain it this way, if you had to hire somebody and you had two people sitting across from you and one of them was felt confident, felt able, you know, was able to roll with the punches when they had a challenge or you had somebody who was frustrated and couldn't do it perfectly and always getting, no matter what happened, they always had a problem, right? And I think a lot of people with chronic illnesses were the, were the working wounded, right? We're out there doing the thing, but you always get negative feedback when you go to your doctor because the doctor's number one job is to solve your problem, right? We're a list of problems. We start with problems. What are your problems? So um, it, it's kind of a vicious cycle sometimes, but if you wanted somebody to do really, really good work, you would probably take the one who's, who is full of possibility and hope and optimism versus the one who felt beat down and you know just like a failure all the time. Yet those are the same people we ask to manage their diabetes to perfection. Right. So it's just, it's just this really hard place, but I can tell you what a joy it is. And it doesn't take very long. Just, I, I had a woman last week and she watched this one video and she emailed me and she's like, I just cried. And I'm like, why, what happened? Right. And she's like, 
I feel like you get it. Like I, nobody's ever told me this is why it was so hard. And it was about grief, you know, about the loss. And she's like, I just, for th- she's been type one for 30 years. And she's like, nobody ever, ever helped me see that. It was just, it was just, it was profound. Like she, she shifted, she changed fundamentally. She changed. So, um, I love coaching at that aspect to help somebody again. I don't coach on how many steps or how much weight you want to lose. I'm really like, how, what are you willing to do? Where do you want to go? And how can I support you there? So it's always person led, right? What's in your world? Because I don't know. Right. So they are the authority of their own life. I'm just here to help um, open some doors, offer some surprises and some insights, um, some tools and the end goal is I want people to feel safe, authentic, and possible. Because if you feel safe, then you're, you can get out of that fight or flight fear. Because if you live with a chronic disease, you live with a lot of fear. And so you need to figure out ways to balance it. And if you only live in fear, you will become burned out. You just can't stay in that sympathetic stimulation chronically and not have other health issues pop up. So that kind of comes back to burnout, right? So that's why people get burnt out. You you know, you go too hard too long and you're just a full of cortisol and sympathetic stimulation and it it's just a spiral. But there's hope. It's so it's so fun to help people kind of go, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, I can breathe, right? Or just breathing. I do a lot of um breathing techniques and parasympathetic tools and um somatic experience um sort of things to because we got to shift out of that state mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yep. Um, well, I mean, this, this story is amazing and, and your business sounds amazing as well. Um, so you're looking to move more into that, that corporate wellness uh, side of this. So in the next couple of years, what do you kind of imagine this business will look like for you? Well, so um I'm kind of in the middle of the foundational aspects of it right now. So we're getting ready to do some fundraising. Um, There will be an app. So using some of the new AI tools, um, I I don't expect that I would move somebody from zero to a hundred, but if a lot of people just, we move from zero to five, if we just opened the door and started looking at other ways of thinking and being and doing and showing up in the world, it can create a ripple effect. So tools that could be engaging that just, again, these aha moments. So looking at building an app and then I'm going to hire nurse coaches to also service. So there's sort of the basic level level people can do on their own. But then if we need to do group sessions, if we have a department that's having struggles, you know, so it could be, you know, I don't know, picks, I always, diabetes is easy, but you have a manager who's struggling with their diabetes. The whole department could be off because of that one person, right? So we could actually observe trends in corporate spaces. Um, and then like even narrow down to people that might need additional services. And I love the holistic idea. Sometimes you need a massage, right? Sometimes you need to meditate. It's not always a pill and a procedure. Right. So, <laughs> right? So, exactly. so that, that's, that's the, the I want to I want to have nurse coaches out there providing these tools and services to people and they don't have to pay for it and they can benefit from it and beyond diabetes so it's 
it would be agnostic to the disease process. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see that as, you know, I personally see the healthcare system or especially the hospital system imploding and something more of uh, this. I want, I want to see nurses out there doing what you're doing because yeah. this is where the real answer is the pill and procedure. Sure. You know, if somebody cuts off my arm, I'm going to the hospital. I want treatment, I, but for everything else, like, you know, it, it starts with, uh, you know, that, that your better life essentially, and yeah, yeah. having nurses guide you through that process. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of where we're at. We're like in the, the foundational stages. And again, I've kind of proven the concept with diabetes and with what I've done and I've learned a lot. Um, but the world is ready. I'll just tell you post COVID people are looking holistic care is blooming. Like there are just so many different professionals that are kind of bridging the gap between allopathic traditional medicine and, you know, more Eastern style techniques. It's all, it's, it's happening. I'm seeing more and more practitioners do that. Um, people are becoming much better consumers. I don't, I don't want that. I want this. And, you know, you can go online and find out so much more or seek treatment. Like you can, if you want a certain prescription, there's websites where you can find them, right? Like depending on what your issue is. Um, but so people are just ready, right? The world is just ready. And um, I think people are just, they want to feel better, right? They want, people want to feel better and they want, you know, at the foundation, we need to find peace, right? Just hug, I can breathe a little peace, right? And then that just, opens up the door to more possibility, but our medical system is anything but peaceful. It's scary. This is true. Right? And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so I agree, like it's going to happen where people live their lives. Right. And we absolutely need that rescue medicine for when our gallbladder's not doing well, or we break a femur or whatever that that's there. And, and a big, huge, and, and we need other stuff to help us feel better so we can you know, ride those waves when they come, right? So yep. the goal is that you've got some tools under your belt and you've learned some new skills and you're like, oh, okay, well, I can do this, this works, or I have these other things open to me. And I think the, I think the workplace is the smart and right place to do it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, I know on your website, you have um, some quiz and some uh, different stuff that you have for people. You want to tell people, one, where they can find yeah. you, and two, um, what you have for them at, on your website. Okay, super. Um, so my website is betterdiabeteslife.com. And, oh gosh, now I have to think. The I have a burnout quiz. So if you live with type or any type of diabetes, it doesn't matter. There's a quiz that I've... Um, put together to kind of assess how burnt out you are. Like, are you really resilient or are you just, I, I'm not, I, I can't do this. And so um, it's a quiz that leads you to some additional information and it's called better diabetes life forward slash burnout dash quiz. And let's see, I also, I write a blog. I have an ebook on there. You can book sessions with me. You can access my course. What else is on there? Well, I have a, a lot of favorite things, just authors. I like stuff that I'm into a lot of, um, practitioners who are more along the holistic line, just different articles and different things like that. So it's a wealth of information. I'm also on, if you go to the footer, you can get links to my Facebook and Instagram and all the, all the social things. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Patricia, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me and thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. 
This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.